How's everybody doing? Welcome back to Boys in the Zone. We got a special episode. First time visitors from Starstruck, the host Cam and Mass. First of all, how are you guys doing and how was your Christmas? Um, doing great. Christmas was pretty wonderful. It was very quiet, so I can't complain. There you go. Doing okay. Um, Cam knows that I'm not the biggest Christmas person, so I said, I actually text, I, I text her and I said, if the Giants pull off the upset over the Eagles, I would be an advocate for Christmas, but that didn't happen, so I'm staying with my Grinchy ways. I even screenshot it for proof later. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, in the chat right now, we got our guys from the Cowboys Cave, either Kelly or, or Mike. Uh, whichever one they say good luck in the fantasy football championship game because i made it in their league i think i'm facing kelly so got to give myself a little shouts for that um i was the number one c but hey we we're not there yet got to finish out it um which will be fun because i think the winner gets a uh, cuts by joan custom cut um which should be pretty cool i can add back to the wall right here behind me and uh, that'll be a lot of fun um we got to jump into this game um, second straight loss. I think this is our first time since 2021, two straight losses, actually. Um, so two AFC opponents. Uh, so it's teams that we're not really familiar playing against. Um, so you can, you can make your little bit of excuses there. Um, but what did you guys see first and foremost, uh, at Dolphins game, man? We'll start with Mass. Yeah. Um, I, my biggest concern is I, I know people were talking about and you know i thought the defense played overall a decent game they didn't play terrible miami is one of the tops i think us and miami are the two top scoring teams in the league um we didn't give them a ton of points so i didn't think the defense necessarily played bad at times they weren't up to par but like overall i think they played pretty well um except obviously that last drive when we needed them most we couldn't really we couldn't really stop them there. Um, the offense was a concern again, and the offense has been a concern on the road this year for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, seems like in the beginning of the year, the offense wasn't clicking. McCarthy and Dak they made some adjustments, and the offense was really clicking. It looks like defenses have made an adjustment again to going to that too deep shell. And it doesn't look like we have adjusted back yet. Yeah. So hopefully that can that can go. But that was my initial takeaway from the game, offense and defense. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point with that shell defense, that Vic Fangio uh, style of defense, because that's what primarily Dak has struggled against. Um, Cam, what was your thoughts on that? Um, I I had very little issue with the defense and the way they were playing. Um, if you had told me that we were going to hold them to one offensive touchdown and mm -hmm. to 22 points i just said sign me up for it all day long yep. the my biggest concerns is had to have been you know tyron being out and chuma's performance and we've got to take a good look at this run game because i i know we started off bad with the hunter lukey um fumble but yeah. we've got some questions about tony pollard and his effectiveness especially down there in the red zone there's twice. There were two mm. different times that he absolutely should have scored. And yeah. I mean, this is our RB one. Yeah. And so, hey, hey, and, and we, going forward, that run game's going to have to be something, or we're not we're not going to see past the first first round. Yeah. Um. I actually have some would you rather questions later on in the show, and and one of them features Tony Pollard. So that's a good point by you. Um. If I had to put my two cents in here, I I I can just echoing you guys. I think that realistically if you said hey defense lit lets up one touchdown um you feel really good about that game 
Uh, the, I they did exactly what I wanted them to do. Take if you win the toss, take the ball first, go on a very methodical drive, uh, long methodical drive down the field, and we just couldn't capitalize. And you can blame it on Tony Pollard for not going towards the pylon on that first run, and and Lipke just I I don't understand what he was. I, I mean he should have been taking snaps for from his college days. You know he's a fullback. I uh, don't understand how he fumbled that. Um, kind of gotten a little Twitter squabble about that with somebody, but interesting to see that. And Mass, what would you have to say? Well, I was gonna say it looks like I looked at some replays in different angles, and it looks like he almost thought Dak was gonna pull it because he doesn't mm-hmm. actually close down his arms on the ball. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a read option and Dak just and they were all not on the same page of what they were gonna do. I'm not sure um, because if you look. Lipke just keeps charging in there. He just goes into the end zone. He never looks back like, hey, I don't have the ball. So, like, yeah. I'm one. he thought Dak pulled it. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'll have to look at, I'll look at it some more. Um, but just to echo Cam on the Tony Pollard thing, he has been historically throughout his career one of the guys who makes people miss and who has a lot of broken tackles and yards after contact. And this year, he just hasn't done that for whatever reason. There were two times in the game, one at the goal line, that, um, the first drive, and another time, it was a third down, I believe, where he wasn't contacted until a yard or a half yard before the touchdown or the first down, yeah. and he got completely stuffed. Like, no extra yards, no extra push at all. And that 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 one in on the goal line wasn't even a hard solid hit. It was an arm tackle by a defensive back. It wasn't even a linebacker or a safety. It was a DB. Yeah, the guy missed him with his body and was still able to grab him with his arms and completely halt all momentum that Tony mm-hmm. Pollard had going forward. It, it it kind of blows my mind. Yeah, it, it's it goes back to the game of inches. I mean, you talk about it. How many times like you can say road road uh, uh in a way you know we have those woes but it comes down to two games versus the eagles and now this one where it's a game of yep. inches it's, it's simple as that and um i had a question just basically uh later on in the show but i'll just bring it up right now about the rookies in this uh, on this team how do you feel the outlook for the rookies uh this class thus far has played out because I'm seriously underwhelmed. You've asked some players to step up and be key contributors, and they haven't done that. Um, you talk about Schoonmaker has multiple drops in the season, comes up short in that Philly game. Uh, you talk about Lipke here with that fumble, even though I liked getting him involved a little bit. Um, and then you just talk about uh, uh, Mozzie trying to step up in the absence of Hankins has not been good in the run department at all, and that's what you were drafted to do. So, and then the other guys are kind of just afterthoughts at this point. Asim Richards, Fehoku, Eric Scott Jr., Jalen Brooks. I mean, you can name all those guys. Obviously, Overshone got injured, but it's it's seriously over. Un, uh, sorry, underwhelming, um, considering what we're typically accustomed to here in you know Cowboys Nation. You know, usually our draft picks are um, getting playing time and, and contributing to the team and, and helping with wins. I don't think I I think to be fair that. Um... When you're dropped in a defensive tackle like that, it usually takes one, two, if not almost three years to develop them. And when we were drafting as late as we were, it wasn't like we were getting a Jalen Carter or something like that. That yeah. So I I didn't put a whole lot of stock into the fact that Mazzy was going to have to come in and be that guy for Hankins and that. But I think you're spot I, on with the rest, that it's been very underwhelming. 
Yeah, I will it's say been... out of all of the defensive tackles that went first round, however, he's underwhelmed the most. Um, obviously, Carter's, I mean, he, he was my best player in the entire draft. Character concerns knocked him down to three for me. But um, mm-hmm. then you talk about the other kid out of Clemson. Um, he's had a decent season. You talk about Kalaja Kansi. He's pretty good uh, for Tampa. Not all, like, they're, none of them are all world minus Carter. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is um, a little bit of a damper because the first round picks for, for the Cowboys usually do, you know, contribute. Mass? It was a little bit of a, an odd year because, like you said, the first round picks, really the first and second round pick, you want to be some kind of contributor year one. You really do. And this year, our first round pick was we knew when we drafted him, hey, this is a developmental guy who's yeah. going to be a backup to Hankins. Like, that's his role to be a backup to Hankins. So it was a little bit different. And then the second round pick, Schoonmaker, still boggles my mind because we didn't need a tight end. Yeah. I said, yeah. Yeah. Jake Ferguson's guy, like, we had tight end set. Like, if you want to draft one later in the round, fine. Later, later in the draft, fine. But, like, the second round, we didn't need to use that. We should have addressed the offensive line, in my opinion, with the second round pick. Um, one guy who I've actually been kind of impressed with, with the the way he, the plays he has made and the limited action he has made had, is um, what's his Jalen Brooks. Jalen Brooks, yeah, yeah. Um, Brooks. very limited action, but he's actually made plays with that. And I've been saying it for a while, like. We need to get him in the rotation a little bit more because Gallup's not providing us much. So, like, I know we're paying him. I know we're paying Gallup, but and money plays. But seriously, Brooks has been equally as impressive as him and sometimes more impressive, in my opinion, um, yeah. when he, he provides that explosiveness that we usually don't have. So, Tolbert and him need to get some more snaps, honestly, in my opinion, over Gallup. Yeah. Yeah, and I would add uh, Turpin in there. I think Turpin could do some good things as well, not only just running oh, those jet sweeps and those quick whip routes, but uh, you saw the big deep bomb to uh, to Turpin in the Washington game on Thanksgiving. I mean, he can run routes as well, so you got to give him that ability uh, to. And... Sorry, what was that? I said sorry. He, he did it against San Francisco too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and San Francisco. And yeah. it, it, he he uh, um, got the penalty called on him to extend that drive so that Brandon Cooks could eventually score that touchdown anyways against Miami as well. Um, obviously, there's two penalties on there uh, on that same uh, uh, play, but still. Um, so, yeah, I think you, you guys are spot on with that. Uh, Jalen Brooks has earned a little bit more reps as well. Um, just interested to see how the coaching staff goes about that because you've called on these rookies' numbers um, excluding, obviously, you got the all-world kicker, Brandon Aubrey, who's a rookie. Um, but excluding him, uh, you know, you're kind of like, do we want to put more trust in these guys? Because every time we've asked them to do more, they've come up short, and it hasn't done, and it hasn't been a good thing. So um, a thing to look at for sure. Got to shout out my people in the chat. Uh, Engineered Psycho, second show, second week in a row. Let's go. Happy New Year. Uh, happy Christmas. And or hope y'all had a great Christmas is what he said. Uh, Kyle zero zero one, what's up, EJ? Holding them to five field goals isn't good enough. That's essentially two touchdowns worth of points. I will kind of fight you on that because you're you're talking about one of the best offenses in the league. Yep. Um, I mean, yep. I think that they were the highest scoring offense. Is that correct? Yeah. I believe yeah. they. I believe they are. Yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll you know, it, it's one of those things like they shouldn't even have scored one touchdown if you if you don't get that Michael Parsons penalty, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, got to shout out my guy, uh, Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast, watching the show. What up, Barry? 
um, looking crazy. EJ Mass and the beautiful Camber. So there you go. You got a compliment, okay. Camber. Um, uh, Jeff Hollis, good evening all. Uh, Stephen McKinley, uh, good evening, folks. And my guys from Cowboys Can Fan, uh, don't forget to hit that like button. Yes, please do hit that like button. Um, if you're not already subscribed, hit that notification bell because we're doing shows every Tuesday with a new guest. Um, and this is the first time for you guys. It's it's uh, uh, I got to say thank you guys for for, for tuning in and um, being willing to get on the show. Um, my my big my big question for you guys during this game: Where was CD Lamb after that first quarter? Two and a half quarters just completely disappears. Um, is that a result of Dak? Is that a result of Mike McCarthy? This play calling. What do you make of that? Uh, Cam, go ahead. Okay. Um, I think CD was there. I honestly think he was there, and you know, he. I don't think CD even understood why they weren't throwing to him. I heard something to the effect of Dak made a comment that maybe that they saw something that Fangio adjusted to. And that they were trying to avoid that because Fangio is one that will adjust. Yeah. But um, I, I, CD says they didn't cover him any different. We know that yeah. they weren't traveling with him. Um, I don't believe I, I have not got to see the, the all twenty-two at this point. But I know several times I was looking and CD was open in many different situations. So I just I don't understand that one at all. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean. I haven't watched y'all 22 yet. Um, I think there were there were times where Dak was hesitating with some of his throws. I'm not exactly sure why he was hesitating. It's going to be interesting when I do see the all 22. But I also, I think I attribute it a lot to the offensive line. And Dak really didn't throw a good long stretch in the second and third quarter. He didn't have a ton of time to throw. Yeah. And honestly... And they weren't sustaining drives after that first, that second drive. They weren't sustaining drives at all. So it was a lot of quick get off the field. And um, I believe Dak in the at halftime only had nine pass attempts. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, hey, we're going and we're not looking for Lamb. It's just, we just weren't moving the ball. We were we were getting kicked off the field real real fast. And I I, I thought it had a lot. To, uh, uh, some to do with Dak not really reading the field the best at, at times, and then then the offensive line, the pressure was uh, constant on Dak for most of the game. Yeah, I wanted to bring up these stats right here. I found uh, on the Twitter sphere is what I call it. Um, uh, drives with a touch or even a target for CD Lamb. That was four of the the nine drives for the Cowboys. Forty five plays, two hundred and seventy seven yards. Uh, for the offense in that time and 17 points versus when he didn't even see his target five drives um so more than 50 percent of the time he didn't even see see a target on a drive um 18 plays 66 yards for three points for the offense there so um yeah. it's no secret that this offense goes as Dak and as cd goes and uh right now you don't have the the luxury of a running back i think that pollard as you guys alluded to earlier has really lost his vision and he doesn't trust his speed as much as he once did. Um, mm -hmm. So you really got to lean on your best player on offense, and, and that's C.D. Lamb. Um, especially when you know Tyron Smith is out, you've got you to gotta utilize um, Dak rolling out to the side that he feels he's comfortable yeah. rolling out to. And I know that Terrence Steele has not graded out great in pass protection uh, on PFF. However, I think that he's more confident rolling out to that side where he can see the pressure in his face 
get C D Land on those on those uh deep crossers, on those mesh concepts and get him involved. Um, I didn't really understand it, but as you said earlier, Mass, I think that um whenever I was tabbing in on like third quarter, he only had like seventeen pass attempts. Um I was I mean, I'm always you know, a Dak champion on Twitter. I'm like, Dak hasn't played a bad game, you know. Um, Dak is our, our player. We got to lean on Dak. You cannot rely on the run game here. Um, yeah. And he goes down and scores it. Um, however, you got to realize, listen, I haven't thrown at CD in so long. And this is Mike McCarthy too. bring both of them, Dak yeah, yeah. and Mike McCarthy. We haven't got CD involved. You utilize him in the running game. Uh, he's probably the best running back on the roster, in my opinion. Um, hey. and he doesn't even play running back. So, um, yeah. just, just get him involved some way. Whether it is a um, quick screen, uh, a tunnel screen, or something like that, or if it's utilized in the running game, I, d- I just don't understand that one. So, um, yeah, I think interesting. It's, it's, it's communication between all three. Sometimes CD will go quiet. He's not as vocal as some wide receivers we've had in the past. Um, so, CD needs to go to Mike McCarthy. CD needs to go to Dak. Say, hey, I haven't got the ball. I haven't got a target in forever. Yeah. Dak needs to go say, hey, we need to get CD the ball. Mike McCarthy says, hey, we need to get CD the ball. If you look at it, when was this offense at their very peak, their very best? It was in that stretch of games after San Francisco, well, after the Chargers, really, right. where we adjusted and we just started feeding CD Lamb, and he was getting 15 targets a game and he was having 10 11 receptions and 150 yards in three to four straight games that was when we were at our peak we were saying hey we know you can't stop cd lamb and we're just going to throw it at him we need to kind of get back to that and that led us to being able to feed cooks yeah in that same aspect yeah cooks actually has a he almost has like an amari cooper-esque uh home versus road uh, splits right now. I don't know if you guys have seen the numbers, but he's much better at home versus away. And I don't know if that's um, a, a result of like the silent count and, and Dak not being able to go the here we go kind of stuff and get those motions and stuff like that rolling. But they got to figure that stuff out. You've got two weeks. And, and in my opinion, you're locked into that five seed now. now. Oh, yeah. So the next two games you've got to use as learning games and uh, see what, you know, throw throw whatever at the wall and see what sticks kind of a, uh, kind of a, a scenario for you guys. Um, now here's my question since I'm kind of in that, um, thought of where the five seed, would you guys, uh, sit Tyron Smith these last two games, let him get fully healthy knowing he has that nagging back issue or would you just come to him and be like, Hey, can you play? Can you go? Um, what's your, what's your opinion on that? I think that's really hard for me because there is a scenario that we end up with the two seed still. There is, and yes. It's, I mean, if I didn't think there was, at, I, <clears throat> if Philly wasn't playing as awful as they are right now, mm-hmm. and knowing that we're at home and then we have Washington, it's it kind of is hard for me to ask Tyron to sit well, at this I, point. I'm assuming that Philly probably plays the cards before we go and play. Or no, that's a Saturday game. We play the Lions, so we wouldn't even know yet. Dang, right. that's yeah. So that's right. That's a tough one. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm playing him. I'm saying, hey, are you healthy? If he's healthy, I'm playing him. Um, I've, I'm always trying to get the best seating possible, um, and we know how we are. We know how this team is at on at home versus on the road. And honestly, like I'm trying to get a, I'm trying to get as many home games as I can. If we get the two seed, the only way we don't 
we go on the road in the playoffs is if we go to the NFC Championship game against San Francisco. And if yeah. for some way, somehow, San Francisco gets upset, the road goes to the Super Bowl through Dallas. And I don't think any team outside of San Francisco, I don't think any team outside of San Francisco can come into Dallas and win. Um, so, but the Rams uh, have been really sneaky lately, though. They, I do, um, for me, I don't worry about the Rams at home. It's if we have to go to sneaky. LA and face yeah. them, which there, I don't think that there's a scenario in. No, that we can't. We could uh, no, no, um, no. So, It'll be a I, but, but in my and we're gonna talk. I have a graphic that I created earlier about the playoffs and the scenarios that we're gonna run through um, for that stuff. Um, but yeah, the Rams are the I think the the sneaky um, wild card team minus the Cowboys. Cause I I feel like it's almost like the Cowboys are an extension of um, one of those top dog teams. It's just that we happen to be in the same division as the. Um, which really didn't look impressive in their win against the Giants. So maybe you do carry out hope that Tyler Murray can have some magic um, and and get a dub against them. And then I think that the Cowboys, um, all they would have to do is win versus the Lions and win versus the the Commanders, and you have the tiebreaker because um, they've lost more games in the NFC, I believe, at that point. Um, And I think that you would have more head-to-head or common opponent wins. Um, but I'm not I'm not up on all that stuff just yet uh, because right, the Cowboys you're, lost. You're, but you're spot on. What do you guys make of this uh, nine straight games of Michael Parsons not drawing a holding penalty? How do you feel about that? I I posted this on Twitter. I feel like um, we had the same conversation last year going uh-huh. into Tampa Bay, and he I think was was attributed like three um, calls that were as a result of Micah. I think two of them were like a false start. And then he got a holding on uh, Donovan Smith or whatever that dude was um, for the, for the left tackle for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, yeah. So it was a little bit better during the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that how do you juggle that as a coach telling your player like you got to keep on fighting through it. You got to I don't know I don't know what you got to do out out there. Does Mike go up and give the refs like a little back massage before the game? I don't understand. <laughs> a back, I mean, fruit basket. <laughs> fruit, yeah, something. I, I find it completely frustrating that he has 90 he has he leads the league in quarterback pressures at 97 yeah and that they have come out and said that they are making these calls if they don't think the player can get to the quarterback or make the play Micah's closing speed is insane yeah. so how do you judge that and how do you determine that with each different player that's on the field that you're trying to make that call on I find that just absolutely just it's ridiculous. And I think that the roughing the passer call that and that was silly in itself. But I think the frustration that we saw wasn't so much that he got called on roughing the passer, but he gets called on that when he's literally being in chokeholds at times. There should be at least a hold or a face mask, both of them on that one play that's that's surfacing uh, picture around Twitter. Uh, yeah yeah it's it's really ridiculous that's the only word for it um like cam said he he leads the league in pressures he leads the league in pass rush win rate and he's also the most double teamed defensive end in the Mm -hmm. entire league so you put that all together leads league in pressures leads league in pass rush win rate he's double teamed more than anybody yet he hasn't drawn a single flag in a holding call in nine games yeah how is that nine and a half how is that even possible? 
And and Cam, mm-hmm. the, the explanation doesn't even make sense. The explanation of, oh, we only call it when people we think are going to make the play. That's not true, and that's not according to the rule book because we see all the time when there's a holding away from the play on the mm-hmm. other side of the field, mm-hmm. they still call it because it's still holding. <laughs> Obviously, a guy on the left side of the field is not going to make a play on the right side of the field when the ball is going to the right, but they still call it because that's the rules. Yeah, that, so that I mean, doesn't even make sense. That is most of Tyler Smith's holding calls right there. Is yeah. after like the, our running back is way up here, or, or something's oh. happening on the other side of the field, and it was it's ticky tacky little holding calls, but they still call it on Tyler Smith. Um, he's the most penalized player on our team currently, um, mm-hmm. and Sam Williams and his his little bit of playing time he gets is actually second, but. Um, it's just it's frustrating because we see it each and every single week that we get the ticky tack holding calls, and then we see a two guys double teaming holding uh, Micah Parsons. He him have literally last week he had to fight a, a double hold um, on somebody to get a sack, um, or maybe that was two weeks ago. I couldn't even remember. Um, but it's it's an everyday uh, every game occurrence at this point. So. Um, it, it needs to get figured out. I don't know what the Cowboys can do anymore. I, I put a tweet out like Mike McCarthy, you've, I, I wouldn't even, I would have been like, Hey, um, shoddy, you got, you go in there and rally the boys, you know, get them hyped up. I'm going to go over to the, the lead official and show him play after play after play of Mike getting held and say, don't even watch anybody on our D line. I don't care about anybody else on our D line. Watch number 11. And when he gets held, throw the flag. That's your job. I mean, that's literally yeah. as simple as that. We, we know that coaches, and I can't say if Mike McCarthy's doing this or not, but he should be if he's not. But we know that coaches go before the game and that they know something. They spot something. We've heard when calls get made, they were like, oh, this coach before the game asked the ref to look for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy, if he hasn't already, he should be going and saying, hey, look at, my, look at number 11. Look, watch Micah Parsons. He's being held continuously. Here's photos from previous games that these weren't called. Can you please look for these? Yeah. I, hopefully they listen. Yeah, I don't know what else the solution would be other than that. I got to shout out Jeff Hollis. He says that this is his first time tuning into a show. Hopped in. Um, so that's cool. Um, somebody else also said it first time on. Um, I can't find him. Uh, my guy Falcon Double Zero, always in the chat. Got to shout him out. Mark McDonald, what up? What up? Um, official Manny B. I've had him on the show before. What up, Manny? Um, Cowboys Cave, still rocking in here. Kai One Hundred One says uh, Jeff Saturday said that the teams uh, said that no team he he would. I don't know how to read it. Said that teams um, basically are telling their players to hold Micah. I guess is what that's trying to say, um, which is sad. And then I got to say what up to Vinny. Uh, as well for tuning into the to the uh, show, um, yeah, I I don't know what else to do. Jumping into the next question here, um, what are you guys more worried about come playoff time? The running, the lack of running game, should I say, um, and the lack of blocking slash lack of vision from TP or the run defense um, as a whole, especially in the linebacker department. Oh, I'll take this on um, the running game <laughs> and TP. Uh, it's it's non-existence at times. There's been some t- even against teams where like you're like, oh, we're gonna be able to like uh, the Panthers or the Bills, both really bad run defenses. Like, oh, we're gonna be able to run all over these teams. We can't. Now you could say the Bills, hey, we got behind a lot. Yeah. I, okay. 
give you that. But Carolina, we didn't run we didn't run the ball down their throat like everybody thought we would. And it's just continued where we haven't been able to generate a run game and sometimes we become one dimensional. Um, so that's the big issue. The run defense has had two really bad games, and that's Buffalo and Arizona. Arizona. Outside of that, it has been pretty solid. Against the Dolphins, it was pretty solid, and they have one of the best run de- run games in the entire NFL. Yeah. It wasn't terrible. It was good, and that is even without Jonathan Hankins. And LBE, so, yeah. And LBE. Yeah. And like I said, I said, and I mentioned this after the Buffalo game, that people weren't talking enough about how much Malik Hooker missing Buffalo impacted the running game, the run defense. And it's not because Malik Hooker is this dominating run defender, even though he made some good tackles uh, against Miami. It's that he al- it allows him to play back, and it allows Curse and Dono uh, Wilson to play forward and help out in the run game. When Curse and Dono had to play back to cover – that exposed our run game even more. So Hooker coming back yeah. this week really stepped up and helped us. Yeah, go ahead, Kim. Oh, no, I, I completely – he said about every single thing that I would say. Um, I, I'm i thousand times more worried about our run game versus our run defense. Um, like he mentioned, you know, the Dolphins, you've got Mozart and a, cha- a chain back there, and we held them to what was it like? 32 yards and I, it was minimal that yeah. we held both of them to um, the fact that we've been able to hold things together with Hankins out and the potential that Hankins, I doubt he's going to be playing this weekend, but we could, you know, that we'll definitely see him for, for the playoffs. Yeah. That's the guy I'm resting for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So I would agree with um, that. Um, getting him back. I, I don't have that problem. I do need, our slash hybrid safety linebackers maybe to be a little bit more physical in the run game and finish those tackles because we forgot how to tackle in the Buffalo game. And I yeah. don't ever want to see that again, but um, yeah, it absolutely is our run game. Yeah. I'm i I'm a little bit worried right now about those hybrid linebacker kind of guys right now. Um, I think J Ron curse is horrible. I mean, he can come at me on Twitter right now. He's been horrible in choosing which gap he wants to attack as a um, box safety or linebacker, whatever you want to call him, wherever he's playing. Um, I just don't think that's his game. And that's not a shot at who he is. You know, he can come at me or whatever. I don't really care. Um, But I just don't think that's his game anymore. I think that he's really good at covering tight ends. And he's good whenever it's a mm-hmm. it's a one on one tackle opportunity, and he doesn't have to siphon through all of these blocks and everything. Um, that's not saying he's a bad player. That's saying that Dan Quinn needs to choose, pick and choose where he uses him and where he utilizes them inside of that defense. And I think that's why we saw the drop off from 2021 to 2022 to now. J. Ron is he's been asked to do things that it's not really advantageous towards what he is as a player. Donovan Wilson, on the other hand, I think he's really good going downhill. And um, I just think that when you figure out a way to um, have your front defensive line really shed blocks, that's where Donovan Wilson is very special. He can go make those tackles for losses, but those guys up front aren't winning minus D-Law a lot of the times. And that's why those second-level blockers come up and they get their hands on him. I mean, he's not big enough to to, to deal with that. So... Um, and then I think that Marquis Bell has been really, really good in coverage. Um, he's just, it, it's weird because you'd think that the sideline to sideline thing would be really good with him because he is a smaller linebacker. 
Um, but that's really where Buffalo gashed us. Um, so we got to figure out something. If that's playing Rashawn Evans a little bit more, um, if that's sitting, and and this is a crazy statement by me, but uh, Damone Clark hasn't been very good at all these past few weeks. Um, so I might look at um, sitting him in place of Rashawn Evans, see what you got in these next two games, and see if that's a um, a unit that you can move forward into the playoffs with. Um, and I know that Damone Clark's one of your future pieces, and you want to put, have him on the field. Um, but is it worth the possibility of really only being afraid of one team in the playoffs, being the 49ers? Is this worth keeping him on the field versus having a deep playoff run or possibly a Super Bowl run? That's my two cents there. Um, Ty says, I'd put Micah... Um, what did he say? I put the Micah oh, double hole no. in Miami in Billboard. Right? No, oh, okay. I, that is a question later on. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the 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 uh, question of Twitter. Um, he'd say he he'd put a, uh, a double hold on Miami in a billboard right in front of the NFL headquarters. Is what Jer- he's saying? Jerry Jones should pay for right. that. Oh, um, that would be nice. Which yeah, hey, something. Uh, but we're gonna jump here into this. Um, up real quick into this playoffs um graphic by myself that i made today um here we go so the seventh seed currently is the seattle seahawks at eight and seven the rams are eight and seven right now they would be playing detroit Dallas at 10 and five would be going back to tampa bay again um and i i wouldn't be too worried about winning that game in my opinion um but i did put the next two games for the rams for the uh, Seahawks for the Saints and for the Bucks uh, over there to the right. And um, the way that I kind of see it is the Rams will probably beat the Giants, but they'd probably lose to the 49ers. I think the Seahawks could win both of those next two games. Um, therefore, those seedings would flip. So the Seahawks would move to the sixth seed and the, the Rams would be the seventh seed going into Philadelphia. Um, the, now, I, I included the other two um, on that side because the Saints and the Bucks obviously play each other. Um, yep. But the Buccaneers have already that that uh, win against the Saints head to head earlier in the season, um, and then they have to play the um, the Panthers, which is just an easier game uh, than yep. than having to go and play the Falcons. So um, I personally think it's the Bucks. I just think that right now the the seeding between seven and six switch around, and that's your playoff teams. How do you guys see it, and how do you want it to shake out um, if you had your perfect scenario, Mass? Yeah, well, my perfect – I've gone back and forth on this. My perfect scenario would be us jumping Philadelphia, winning the division, getting the second seed. And basically because of what I said earlier of how we play at home and wanting to be like, hey, we got two – we know if we're the two seed and we win, we got two straight home games at least. And then if 49ers somehow get upset, we got the NFC Championship game at home. So it puts us in the best possible situation, in my opinion, without that one seed. Um, the only other thing I think about is the reason why I, ta- I look back is at the five seed. Okay. We, we go on the road to Tampa, which I think we can win that game on the road, but then honestly, I would not be surprised. And every, everybody's saying, well, then you got the 49ers, then you got the 49ers. And mm-hmm. I was like, do we, cause yeah. would either of you be surprised if you pull up that graphic, would yeah, either of you, yep. if the Rams or the Seahawks beat Philadelphia or the Rams or the Seahawks beat the Lions in the playoffs, and that we get a home game. We we get a home uh, a home game against one of them. Yeah, or maybe both of them. I think I mean, they, like if they both win, then we would get a home game. 
You know what I mean? Let me propose this question. Which one would you feel more comfortable in beating Philadelphia? The Geno Smith-led Seahawks, and they got their win against the Eagles at home, so that plays a factor into it. So they'd have to go to Philly. Or um, this kind of good Matthew Stafford. It's not throwing picks, Matthew Stafford, for the Rams right now. Currently, how how the two teams are playing, the Rams. I'm I'm right on. I yep. I think I, I agree with you. You think the Seahawks can beat them as well at home? Yeah, I think the Seahawks and the Rams can both beat them. How Philly's playing? They've lost. They've been blown out three games in a row. Well, two games, and then the Seahawks beat them. Yeah. And then they struggled at home against the a Giants team who literally had to bench their quarterback at halftime. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, unless the Eagles can turn it around and right that ship, um, the way they're currently playing and the way that the Rams and Seahawks are currently playing, I think the Rams or Seahawks could beat them. Mm. Now, you would have to beat the – you would have to finish your season at 12-5. and five. You'd have the head-to-head uh, against the Detroit Lions, which I think is the first tiebreaker, I believe, head-to-head. Um, yep. So you would be at the two-seed if you do, in fact, win the division. Um Let's say everything shakes out as chalk, um, then you would be facing the the Detroit Lions again at home again. Uh, so this game uh, this Saturday is very very telling on um, you know how we stack up against some of these other teams we haven't faced thus far this season. The Tampa Bay's, yep. the Detroit's, especially because you're going to be facing them. We faced the Seahawks, we beat them. We faced the Rams, we beat them. Tampa Bay, I'm not scared of. Um, somebody in the chat did say that hey. Baker Mayfield is kind of scary right now. Mark McDonald, um, I'm more. I would be more afraid of a Matt, Matt Stafford than a Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. Uh, Cam, do you want to input your two cents here? Um, Mass pretty much lined it out for us. Um, I yeah, I absolutely. My best case scenario is that we take the second seed. That uh, along the way, because along the way, if if. My best case scenario is that the Rams can knock the Niners out and mm. I don't care who's coming at that point. Yeah. I really don't. I mean, if the Rams can do our dirty work it's, for us, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I've always kind of said like, it's hard to beat a team that you're familiar with three times in a season. And so yeah. when you, when you're in the same division, you got to play them twice. If you meet them in the, in the playoffs and we've, we've done this with the, the giants before we beat them twice before playoffs roll around, they beat us. And so it's yep. very, very hard to beat a team three times in a row, especially one that knows um, who you are and how you play and what you want to do. Um, so if they do, in fact, lose that final game of the season to the Niners, they get locked into that seven seed, they go up to Philly and beat them, they're going to be like, hey, we just beat the, the defending uh, NFC champs. Let's go up there. It's a team we know. Uh, we know what they want to do, and let's go beat the Niners, knock them off. Man. Um, I mean that that might be an actual more impressive legacy win for Matt Stafford than him winning the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Going up and knocking off the Eagles, and then going and knocking off the Niners that are heavily favored. Um, yeah. But man, it it would be an interesting thing seeing the Rams and hosting that NFC um, Championship game in Dallas, despite you know not being that number one seed. So um, yeah. I'll, ultimately, I kind of lean on. I think that we're probably kind of locked into that number five seed right now. And I'm all right with that. I think that um, I do have a lot of, uh, I guess, hope that the Rams can actually knock off the Eagles or the Seahawks, whichever one it is. I just, 
Personally, I think that uh, players get up for the playoffs a lot more than just their regular everyday game. And, um, you know, every game means stuff in the NFL, but the playoffs is just a different atmosphere. And I think that the 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 Seahawks, they've got some dogs on the defense that really, really want to hit you and hit you hard, and that's all what playoffs is about. And then the Rams, they have outside weapons that can really exploit the secondary of the Eagles. Um, so I feel really, really good. I mean, and the Seahawks. I mean, they've got three really, really good wide receivers as well. So um, I feel good about either of those teams, really. What did you say, Mass? I was saying uh, Smith and Jigba has really been coming on lately at this, the second half of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and he's honorary Cowboys uh, Nation as well because he's got the he tattoo. He's got and, the tat. uh, Hey, he beat the Eagles. So uh, Drew Locke and uh, JSN are both honorary Cowboys Nation in my book. Uh, Shout gonna... out to the Rockwall boy. There you go. Uh, we're going to pull up these would you rather questions in the chat. You got to participate in this. Um, yeah. Also, if you haven't already, leave a like. Um, for sure, we're trying to just uh, catapult this channel up. Uh, the Cowboys, you know, content create. I don't, I don't want to call myself a content creator, but um, Cowboy pages, you know, on YouTube. So, first, would you rather question Chuma Adoga or you let Asim Richards get some of these reps if Tyron Smith cannot go either of these last two games? Richards. Richards. Yeah, I'm gonna go Richards right now. Chuma, the, there was two different plays where he looked right at the defensive end and then turned and helped uh, out, out Tyler Smith when he didn't need help and let the let him get a free run on Dak. Mm -hmm. Like the most mind-boggling plays I've ever seen from a left tackle in my life. So I'm going Richards. I, I'm done with Chuma. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. It had shades. It had shades of Chaz Green. Oh me, goodness! At, at times, I was like, "Oh, please don't let this go this That's way." It's like a cardinal so, sin to mention that name around here. I, right, right. So I'm, I'm gonna go with the same. Yeah, I, I would agree. And and uh, chat is emphatic. Asim, Asim. Um. So yeah, they're they're all on the same board. Uh, uh we got Suzanne in here as well. Got to shout her out. Um, what is up? Um, the next question, more of Pollard or Dowdle in the next two games? Who would you want to see more of the reps go to? Um, considering Pollard has had those questions of his vision, he's um, not seeing the holes, not hitting the holes as good as he once did. And um, I think you've, you've got the sample size to know, like, hey, do we make this change knowing that we can always flip back to Pollard if we need to, but we don't want to make that change in the playoffs when it actually matters? Um, Cam, you go ahead and answer this one first. I can't say that I want to see one more than the other, but I want to see more of a balance because I think if we take from last year what we saw out of Pollard when he was sharing the the touches with Zeke, mm. that we saw something more productive. And so maybe make it more of a balance and give, give Dowdle more, but I'm not necessarily going to say I want to see more of one than the other okay. in that. Nice. Yeah, I would say kind of a balance like Cam was talking about, but I will say more Dowdle in short yardage and goal line situations. I'm done with Pollard in those situations. Mm. Get In short yardage, goal line, it needs to either be Hunter or it needs to be uh, Dowdle. And I know Hunter had that fumble. It, I, I'm not writing him completely off because of that he it has he was picking up short yardage uh, runs in that game prior to that. Um, but yeah, in short yardage, I want to see less Pollard. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go all the way on the other side. I'm gonna say, uh, go ahead and start Rico. 
send a message to Pollard like, hey, man, you're on the franchise tag. Like, this stuff is is earned, not given. Um, uh, you, we know that you're coming off the injury, but now it's 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 uh, you played 15 games. Like we've got to expect more out of you. You can't get stuffed on the one yard line. He's not a small back. I mean, despite what some people think, he's not small. He should mm-hmm. be able to run through that DB easily. Get the touchdown. The Lipke play never happens. We're talking about the Cowboys at 11 and four instead of 10 and five right now. If Tony Pollard just does what he's done in the past. Um, so yeah, I, I am gonna start Rico. Um, send a message to this guy and um, allow Rico to gain some confidence. Like, hey, this coaching staff believes in me. I'm not gonna let them down because not only is Pollard playing for his next contract, and maybe it's not with this team, but Rico, his future isn't solidified in this offense yet. So if they show, if he shows enough um, in these next two games or in the playoffs, he can really possibly be the bell cow next next year. Um, so. I'm going to go with Rico. Um, Would you rather, and this is the question I was alluding to, would you rather Michael Parsons play off-ball linebacker on first and second down or only edge rusher? Never plays linebacker unless it's he drops back and and runs it. That's what I wanted to put the caveat. He has to only play edge. Make it a hard question, not just, oh, I'd rather keep him at edge, drop him back there at five or so plays. Permanent edge, you can't move him back. Permanent edge. I'm not make. I am not taking the best player in the entire league away from his strength mm. and putting him in a position where he's not even a top ten player at that position, not even a pro bowler at that position. Exactly. Like Michael Parsons is the best pass rusher in the entire league. I'm not taking him out of his strength. I'm not intentionally making my defense putting my defense in a worse situation. The value of a pass rusher and the value of a linebacker. They're not the same. And I'm not going to upend my defense anymore. And that was tilting it that way. Off topic a little bit, but that was one of my biggest qualms with the draft in general. You drafted non premium positions. You went D tackle, tight end, linebacker, and then a three tech slash edge in your fourth pick. Like it was just a weird draft. It what I I don't know I don't know how to explain it. But besides the point, um, shouting out chat here, we've got some mixed uh, uh, results here. So some of them are saying first and second, um, off ball. Some of them are saying edge. Um, interesting. Um, I would lean with the permanent edge just because I think that it's the more valuable position. Michael Parsons. Say what you want to say about him not getting the holding calls during the season. I think that's different in the playoffs because the refs know, hey, this is their final game. If they don't win this, we just got to call everything that we see. Um, Obviously, they can't call every single holding, but I think it's going to be better in the playoffs, or so I cross my fingers and hope. And I think that he just is more of a game wrecker. I, I don't think that stopping you know, a run for two yards instead of five yards is that much of an impact play versus a sack or a potential tackle for loss or something like that with him playing on the edge. So that is my opinion on that. Would you rather start J-Ron Curse or Wanye Thomas moving forward? And you guys can... Uh, Think about that a little bit if you want to. Both of your faces were telling me, oh, man, this is a thinker. Um, I'm, I personally, if I had to answer this first, I'm going to go Wanye Thomas. I just think that um, he's graded out in the smaller sample size, of course, uh, better in run and pass coverage. 
um, on PFF. And obviously PFF's not the know-it-all or anything like that, but um, just eye test, even watching on the broadcast, he's just been better um, than than Curse. I think that Curse is just picking wrong gaps. He's not being utilized in the, the right position for his skill set. And uh, I think he's he's just, I don't know. I think that he just doesn't have a, a, a future with this team, uh, especially with Overshone coming back next year. Because if you remember, Overshone's played some safety linebacker uh, in the past. Um, so I really do believe that the Cowboys' idea with drafting Overshone was the potential replacement of J. Ron Curse. So it's going to be hard to take off that vocal leader from your defense off the field. But you want to send messages that, hey, you guys aren't playing good enough. We've got to do something different. I would start Wanye. Cam, your idea on this? Um, I, well, I think it's it would be an interesting thing to do. I think you kind of touched on it where you said that it is a vocal player. He is one of the leaders mm -hmm. on this team, and I don't know if I could disrupt it in that way. Uh, I don't know if I'd start him. I think I'd leave J Ron out there. And then if things were going wrong, then we're going to work Wanye in, but I don't know if I can rock the ship that much. I just don't. Yes. I've probably flipped back and forth in my mind. Like <laughs> while you guys were talking and I think I've settled on Wanye. Mm. I really do. I think I, I, and, and Cam, I saw your face right now. It's, if you watched our show, my my defensive MVP, obviously outside of Micah Parsons, but my defensive MVP outside of Micah Parsons was cursed to start the year. Mm -hmm. To start the year, I thought he was going to rebound from his last year. Obviously, he hasn't. Obviously, I was way wrong on that one. Um, so I do like curse a lot, but from what he how he has played this year, it's been a liability at times, and he's made a lot of boneheaded penalties as well. Mm. And Wanye yeah. has made plays when he's on the field. And to be honest, I can't remember ever being like, oh, what are you doing out there, Wanye? Like, what do you what were you doing on that play? I I I don't think I can ever remember it. Now he hasn't played a ton, but yeah, I might give Wanye a shot. I, I, I think I'm on I think uh I think I'm there. Yeah. I and, and Kai, I'm just a scaredy cat. <laughs> Kai, Kai brings up a good point uh, in the chat. He says, you know, you can't be a leader if you're a liability for your team. I mean, just thinking about um, playing basketball high school, uh, if, if somebody would get on me for the same thing that they did or, or miss tackle or not miss tackle, but like turning the ball over or something like that, be like, bro, you're turning the ball over. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't resonate with what they're saying as well if they're not doing their job. Um, so yeah. It's one of those things that it's hard to um, make that switch, but I think that you got to, like I said, you got to use these final two games as kind of, um, you know, figure it out games and see what's the best uh, iteration going forward into the playoffs. And we did it last year um, a little bit, using McQuamu a little bit more during that final stretch, and, and, he, and he happened to help a lot during that Tampa Bay game. So um, I think you kind of utilize this these two games as, as that, figure it out kind of a deal. Um, bringing up these questions again, would you rather start Damone Clark, uh, Clark or uh, Rashawn Evans? And uh, let me get that off the screen because I, I spelled his name wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, I just noticed that. Um, but yeah, Rashawn Evans or uh, Damone Clark? Mass, go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Clark. Um, I think Clark is a building block for the future at the position. 
Um, he has had some bad games. I, I'm not going to deny that. He's had um, some games where it's questionable, like what he's doing and everything like that. Bad reads. Sometimes he's over aggressive, overruns the play. Um, but he's had good games as well. <clears throat> Evans has made plays here and there. But overall, he, I don't really think Evans has played great overall when he was in. But he has made some flash plays here and there. Um, I just think that Damone Clark's ceiling is so much higher than Evans. Um, and I, I, I don't – I want to keep pushing Clark for the future. Um, if he doesn't work out down the line, he doesn't work out. But right now, I'm, I'm not ready to move on from him. Yeah. Cam? I'm, I'm staying with Clark. Um Matt's kind of hit it on there that yes, Evans has got some moments and everything like that, but um, I'm definitely keeping Clark in. I will have to say that I think he's missing LVE. I think LVE guided him so much mm. on the field and helped him be where he was supposed to and kept him right. Uh, but at this point in time, I'm, I'm going to keep Clark. Yeah. Yeah. I would lean towards Clark. Um, if I had to pick one of the two, just because I don't want to mix up too much on the defense. And if I'm if I'm going to go with Wanye um, and, and try to rotate a little bit more on the defensive line or um, whatever it is, I think that you got to stick with a couple uh, pivotal pieces, especially pieces you plan to build in the future with. And Damone Clark is one of those pieces. I do, I think that's a really good point by you, Cam, is just he does miss LVE because LVE, he might not always be the first to the ball or, or stuff like that, but he sees it. He knows how to play linebacker, and he, and he understands it. So he can get Damone Clark in the right position, like, hey, you need to shoot this gap or you need to um, st sink back in this coverage, um, certain things that will help him and guide him. I just don't think that the cerebral part of his game is, is completely there just yet. And so, um, you know, he's been asked to kind of be the leader in that linebacker group, and he's only, you know, his, this is really his rookie year, um, considering how little time he played last year, um, coming back from that spinal fusion or whatever it was. So um, give him some grace. I think that Curse, you know, he's been that leader this entire time since he's kind of stepped in in 2021. And um, it's kind of past expiration now, and it, and it just feels kind of sour. So that's why I'd move off from him. Last question right here, and this is going to um, kind of move us into the Lions talk. Um, this Saturday. Um, now, would you rather feel better um, about a Cowboys win against the Lions if A, Dak throws for 270 and three touchdowns, or the defense gets you two turnovers? Because you know if the Cowboys defense gets turnovers, we usually win the game. But if you're talking about Dak Prescott going 270, three touchdowns, you feel really good as well. So interested to see kind of what chat thinks and what you guys think. Started off with Cam right here. Hmm, that's a really good one. I'm I'm gonna say defense. I wanna see those defensive turnovers. I'm a defensive girl, so nobody should be surprised about that. Uh, but no, I I feel like this defense rolling through and the offense doing what they need to will will be fine going into Washington and forward from there. Mass. My first thought was both. I want. I want both. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Here. Um. I'm gonna say offense because overall, outside of a couple games, I think the defense has played pretty well this season. Um. It's the offense that's been up and down and inconsistent. Not good in the beginning of the season. Great in the middle of the season, and then slowed down. 
And these last two games, the offense has kind of struggled at times. They've really struggled in Buffalo and then at times struggled throughout the Miami game, even though it looked good in some drives. So I want to see that offense start clicking again. How are they going to respond? Are the Lions going to adjust to come out into the kind of a two-shell defense and try to mimic what other teams have been doing and say, hey, beat us with this? Mm. And how is Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy going to attack that? Now, if they come out and they do that, and then Dak puts up 270 and three TDs, I'm going to feel a whole lot better about the offense moving forward. Obviously, Washington game, it's not going to tell me much, but this game is going to tell me a lot towards – the offense in the future in, in the playoffs. So, cause this might be a team that we do face in the playoffs. So if Dak can come out and do that to their defense, then I'm going to feel a whole lot, a whole lot better. Yeah. I think that I like, I like your thought process of it. I personally would lean defense because of two things. I think that um, just history tells you if the Cowboys defense is creating turnovers, then we're getting leads anyways. And that, that leads into our strengths on defense and allows us to k- get more turnovers and just continue to pile them on. Um, and I think ultimately kind of what the chat was saying is that if the defense gets two turnovers, then Dak is probably going to get three touchdowns because the short fields and uh, whatnot. Now he might not have the 270 because it is the short field. He doesn't have to throw it as much. And then you mix in the run a little bit more if we're up. Um, however, I do just think it's more advantageous to play with that lead. And if our defense can pin their ears back, it's better because I, I just, I, I think I trust our offense as long as Chuma Adoga or Tyron Smith, whoever is over there and, and, uh, Terrence Steele is holding up on those two ends. I feel really good about our offense against the Detroit defense. That's not yeah. their strong suit. And, and if it's the, if it's kind of that kind of that game that we thought that the Miami and Dallas game was going to be, which was a boat race to the end. Last person with the ball is going to win. Um, I think that that I, it, it's hard. I would probably lean Cowboys cause we're home, but you know, it's one of those things. They have a high powered offense as well. They have Jameer Gibbs. They have Sam Laporta. Who's a mismatch nightmare. They have a, a Almond Ross St. Brown. They have a, a Reynolds and a whoever Williams, like they have players and Jared Goff is no, um, slouch out there as a quarterback, not as good as Dak Prescott, in my opinion, but he's he's a good quarterback. He's a solid quarterback that can make any, any throw on the field. And um, I won't say any throw, but most throws on the field, and you feel good about him going into games. So um, I would lean towards the two turnovers on defense. And I think that most of the chat agrees with the two turnovers uh, on defense. Uh, minus, I think, Kai, who says Dak throwing 270 and three touchdowns. I think he's kind of holding out for that Dak MVP award right there, hoping for a big game from Dak. But um, I got just, Kai. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe, you know, I think that the both, the, the, the Ravens face the Dolphins this week too. So, you know, if they, if they lay an egg, you know, Lamar drops down and then we could see a running back or a wide receiver possibly get that MVP award. I can't believe Dak is like – plus 2000 in the odds now i don't know how um but you know it's it's one of those things you know ultimately i'll trade whatever awards for any single player if it's you know hoisting the lombardi at the end of the year um what is your guys's biggest um kind of fear or um biggest player that you want to not have a big game for detroit um offensively defensively uh one for each who do you feel as is that player? We got to lock down. We got to make sure Aiden, that they're not an impact. Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. Yep. I, I, yep. And and that being against whoever. Yeah. I, I'm having nightmares against him and Ter- against Terrence. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am. I am so 
bothered by it already. And I don't know, you know, if you're going to have Berg or whoever chip behind him. But uh, I, <clears throat> oh, we need a game out of Terrence on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we're all probably in agreement with Aiden. I, I think maybe if you really wanted to uh, be kind of saucy with your pick, you could maybe say like a Brian Branch. Uh, just because of his ability to cover in the slot and uh, right. be a free-range safety. Um, however, that's just a lot of praise to go to a rookie and say that that's their impact player when you know that they got Aiden Hutchinson uh, down there gonna just creating havoc on the D-line. Yeah. So um, offensively, it's a little bit uh, more up in the air. Obviously, they got some really good skill, skill positions. Um, who are you most worried about? Got some trying to, hard thought by Mass think, right there. Well, I'm trying to go, and I'm going to go a little bit off, and it's going to sound weird, um, but I'm going to go Pene Sewell. Mm. And the reason is, is because obviously if he can get pushed and that offensive line can get make some holes, um, that you know they're they're they have really good running backs and everything like that but the the main reason i'm going is because jared goff is the perfect example of a quarterback who has to play in a clean pocket if you get pressure on jared goff he crumbles and he throws interceptions he loses the ball he's just not accurate he's just not a very good quarterback under pressure but when he has a clean pocket He's a very, very good quarterback, and he can make he can make the throws, and he can kill you. So if Thule and the offensive line are dominating, and our pass rush isn't getting home, then their weapons are going to be able to exploit a lot of our defense, and and they're going to and and it's going to be hard to stop them. So I know they have a lot of playmakers, but that's kind of my thought process: is we need to get pressure on Goff. And if we can't do it because their offensive line is dominating, then then we might be in for a long night. Mm. Do you know who uh, Jared Goff was actually his his like uh, pro comp coming into the draft was? Do you remember? I don't. Um, Cam, do you remember? What? A lot of people said he had shades of Troy Aikman, which is funny, you know, thinking about those two players. Um, yeah. Not the most mobile guys, but can make some really good yeah. throws if you get give them the clean pocket. So um, interesting thought process. Um, but yeah, Panay Sewell is uh, definitely a, a good pick in my opinion because, yeah, if they can kind of slow down our pass rush and especially him getting on those pulled runs, getting to the second mm -hmm. level, that's what our linebackers have been struggling with. So um, I like that kind of um, out of left field pick there from Massey. Yeah. Cam? Jamar Gibbs. Gibbs, he can put men on skates. It's mm. just, I mean, he can, the way he can cut, he can move. And going back to, like I said, at the Buffalo game, the way we weren't finishing tackles, he could wreck some big havoc on us. So, yeah, mine's Gibbs. Gibbs is, he was, I think he was like the last player I had with a first round grade in last year's draft and well worthy of it. He is a monster. Um, and at, ability to make people miss is definitely there um i'm gonna go with a different player so i'm glad that we're not all on the same page here um i'm gonna go with sam laporta um jordan lewis has had a sneaky good two games yeah asking jordan lewis 
to cover uh, Sam Laporta is scary for me. And then if you want to talk about a J. Ron Curse or whoever it might be from that safety unit, uh, going against Sam Laporta is scary because they use him in line. They use him out wide. Um, they do some really good stuff with Sam Laporta, and I think that he's a, he's one of those guys that he's he's in the the same cloth of a Jake Ferguson where he can make guys miss in the open field as a tight end, and that's a rare trait to have for such a big dude. So um, I think Sam Laporta, he's, he's kind of that security blanket for Jared Goff now. He's kind of grown into that role, and um, I'm surprised nobody said Amon Ra St. Brown, but um, we're all kind of leaning towards those 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 rookies. Or... Pick uh, if I didn't go the way I went, but I, I really USC guy USC fan. I'm a big uh, big fan of Amon Ra Amon Ra St. Brown. So yeah, but the I I didn't pick him just because of the way Gilly has been playing, mm. and well they use um, so. they, they use him in the uh, slot as well. So that's a, right. a possible Jordan Lewis assignment as well. Right. So. Um, yeah, it's just it's one of those things. I think we we're, we're going to have to ask even more of Jordan Lewis. He's had those good games um after kind of being the victim of a lot of third down conversions um for mm-hmm. five four straight games it seemed like that for a little bit yep. during the middle part of the season, but he's had the sneaky good games recently. So, um had to give him a little bit of a shout. Now, um do you guys want to go straight into score predictions and then a little bold prediction um or should we ask some questions of the chat or or what do you guys want to do? This is free range right now. Yeah, we can answer some questions. All right, chat, put in your questions, um, and we'll try to get to them after we give a um, – we're, we're going to go into like a bold prediction. Um, so one bold prediction for this game, and it has to be bold. This isn't like C.D. Lamb for 90 yards and a touchdown. Like that's not bold. Come on, you got you to lay it on me with something oh. that's crazy. We do the same on our show, and trust me. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah. Massey, go ahead and start us off, brother. Or if you I'm need some say, time. Oh, no, no, I got yeah. it. Brandon Aubrey hits his 70-yard field goal. 70, goodness gracious, 70. That is bold as hell. He claimed he could hit 70, so I'm, I, we're, in that, we're in dome on our field. I'm going to say that we, we get a chance at the end of the second half, I mean, end of the first half, to get a – long 70 yard field goal and they they run Aubrey out there and he nails it 70 he's got I'm sorry CJ Stroud you've been good but if if Brendan Aubrey hits a 70 freaking yarder he's rookie of the year I don't care I love it yeah I think I think that's it's where he can do it is their home in the in you know in the stadium no wind affecting I think he can do it I think that's where he can do it hey I would love that I would be screaming at the top of my lungs if that happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's in any point other than that last couple seconds in the first half, we better be up by at least two touchdowns. I mean, come on now. Um, chat, chat is saying uh, they got a score prediction in here, and they say uh, Turpin will be the X factor this game. Interesting. Am you have a boldy? I do. Um, and essentially because, um, right now it's, it's Taylor, it's Taylor Decker. That's questionable in this situation. Mm. And you've already kind of touched on the fact that Goff can get rattled. He's not super mobile. And so I'm calling for five sacks. Five. We haven't had a good, like, we haven't had a good sack game in a while. I I feel like, 
And um, I feel like this could be it. Tank, Tank played lights out this last game. Absolutely. He was mass. He was my guy that I called that yep. I needed a huge game from. And Tank. Tank was phenomenal this last game. And I just think as mad as Micah is, as honest Tank is, I think that, and we know what can happen with golf. Things can go very, very bad. Yep. This is the game. This is the Jimmy uh, Johnson um, Ring of Honor game as well. Right. Um, right. So I, I and and you bringing up Tank, I, I think if Tank goes after he retires, he, if he goes even one year without getting into the Ring of Honor for the Cowboys, I might throw a fit too because that dude right. is so underrated to what we do. And you just yeah. talk about the run defense, like he puts on a clinic of of how to, um, you know, guard against the run as a defensive end. Um, every single week, so so underrated, so good, and such a vocal leader. Uh, has some of the best sound drops uh, from sound mm-hmm. of the sideline and stuff like that. I just love Tank, so um, I'm glad that you gave him a shout out. Um, and then five sacks, that's awesome. Um, chat is saying engineer cycle says Bland gets three picks, one pick six. That's very bold. If he gets that, that's, that's awesome. de- defensive player of the year. Right. Uh, don't care anything. Yeah, yeah, that's just crazy. Um, we got a score prediction of 28. 21 Cowboys from Mark McDonald. Um, he says, uh, I'll be watching Aubrey during warmups. If he's smashing from 50 yard line and back, uh, we'll see. Uh, Cowboys 37, 28. That goes for 400 yards and four TDs by Jeff, um, which would be amazing. That would put him back up in the MVP discussion, in my opinion, uh, as long as you get the dub. Um, Cause we've seen Dak throw for some 400 yard games in the past. Typically comes with an L unfortunately. So, <laughs> We'll see. Uh, Micah Sacks Goff and one of the D-line runs it back for six is a bold prediction by official Manny B. Um, man, I've been reading these comments, listening to you guys. I haven't even thought of what my bold prediction is. Um, I think I'm going to go with something along the lines of all three of our um, starting corners. So uh, Gilmore, Bland, and Lewis all get some sort of a turnover fumble or interception so i'm gonna go with the corner trifecta um and we'll see or maybe i should throw in like a a fumble a sack or an interception one of those things so maybe we'll see a db blitz uh for a sack and then the other two guys can get a turnover uh which will fill our uh would you rather question from earlier two turnovers and we'll play it in there um i'm really excited to just watch this game uh from a fan perspective because i think that um the offensive coordinator for the Lions has done some really, really creative things um, <clears throat> up there in Detroit. And mm-hmm. I think that he's kind of, um, I, I think it's Jeff Cavanaugh that, that calls them the fighting Dan Campbells and stuff like that. But now they've kind of jumped to like more of that finesse, like really, really methodical um, uh, uh, offensive scheme. And it, it's fun to see their evolution. And it's fun to see them as a team come from like the pits of like a Snarlock pit from Star Wars to being one of the the best teams in the NFC. So it's it's one of those things that I'm really excited to see. Um, Going to be a fun game Saturday night. Um, I mean, I don't have really very much else to say. I think I've we've ran through it all. I just got to say thank you guys for uh, getting on the chat. If you have not already. Um, follow them on social media. I think it's uh, too much camber, too much underscore camber on. Yes. Twitter. Yes. And Massey, yours is the J A Massey. Yep. 
on Twitter, and then they also have their podcast, Starstruck. You can find it on YouTube by just typing in Starstruck with Cam and Mass, and they're a great watch and listen. Um, when do you guys usually go live? <laughs> That's been a good question lately. No, Mass, <laughs> yeah. Mass has been sick. We we try and shoot for Thursday or Friday night. Um, I believe we're doing Thursday night this week. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so we'll be Thursday night about probably about 8, 8 p.m., Awesome. But we'll we'll throw something out there for everybody to know. Awesome. Well, I am EJ Savage. Uh, if you guys have not, followed me on Twitter. It's popping up on your screen right now. If you haven't hit subscribe button on the YouTube page, please do hit that little bell notification. I go live every single Tuesday night with uh, guests, mostly guests, but sometimes I just rock solo. It's fun that way too. And uh, soon at the new year, I'm going to be dr dropping some All-22 uh, film analysis on some college prospects and uh getting that stuff in the works and uh yeah it should just be a fun time so make sure you are subscribed so you get all the content and uh as always thank you guys for tuning in and thank you uh from the guest if is anything else you guys want to say just wanted to say thank you for having having us on uh we appreciate it, it was, it's been an, a lot of fun appreciate absolutely. it absolutely all righty we're out of here thanks guys yeah Forget what you got, none of them matters until you don't work from the top. I'm talking on style squad. They've been down with me for years, and none of them ask for squad. Squad, five, out of the gutter, don't stutter. I'm taking my shots. Bop, block, out the noise. Some others, my brothers and me, we going off. Bippity bop, talking that ish, I'ma empty my clip. My Google go pop. Then goes another, I'm jumping for cover, then I'm taking off.